So, 2022, here we are. We made it through another year. 2021 probably was not what many of us expected it to be. And that's exactly what we're going to look at this morning, is the idea of expectations and what we're, we're hoping for 2022. So in your bulletin, if you have it, there's a little space there. Feel free to jot down maybe some of your expectations for the upcoming year. You're not turning it in. There's no grade or points for it. But a little space for you to reflect and think, okay, what do I expect for this upcoming year? Maybe you're expecting to fulfill a New Year's resolution. Maybe you're expecting to go to the gym more this year. I know that's a common one. I've seen a lot of uh, Planet Fitness and gym commercials lately. Maybe you're expecting to use social media less. Maybe you're thinking, hey, you know what? I'm just going to kick that thing to the curb this year. I'm going to do that differently. Maybe you're expecting good memories and good times. Hey, this is going to be a good year because I'm going to make it a good year. Okay. Maybe you're expecting health, wealth, and prosperity. I'm sure we all would like to be healthy this year, right? But are you expecting that? Is that something that you're banking on? I think as we've learned over the past two years in the midst of a pandemic is there's a lot of things that come up that are unexpected, our health being one of them. I was reading the other day about New Year's resolutions. And this is not to knock on New Year's resolutions. So if you're high on New Year's resolutions, that's totally fine. But I read this in an article. It said, the average New Year's resolution lasts, anyone got a guess? 32 days. So what is that? February 1st or 2nd? 32 days. And even this, 68% of Americans give up on their resolution before the month of January even ends. So that's not a very... A good job by the Americans keeping their resolutions. And I started wondering, well, why is that? Why do people give up on their resolutions so quickly? And I think it has something to do with our expectations. I was watching a New Year's Eve celebration the other night, and, and so many times I hear, next year is going to be great. This next year is going to be our best year yet. There's even a song that an artist sang, and the chorus said, next year is going to be better than this year. And he kind of repeated that in the chorus over and over. And I sat there listening and thought, well, is it? Says what? Says who? The next year's going to be a better year because you want it to be? Because you hope that it is? Well, maybe our expectations are sometimes unrealistic, not just for next year, but in general. The question for you to consider is, are your expectations realistic or unrealistic? This morning, I want us to look at a passage that will hopefully give us all three Realistic expectations for the new year. I'm going to read it for you now. It'll be on the screen. You can feel free to follow along. It's going to be out of Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So, here we go. Three realistic expectations for 2022. Now, here's a caveat. If 
you belong to Jesus Christ. If you don't belong to Jesus Christ, we're going to talk about that on the tail end of the message this morning. But the great news is if you belong to Jesus Christ, I know many of you in this room do, I can give you three expectations that are realistic that you can have for this year. The first one is this. You can expect to have peace. Not just peace, but peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, many of us think of the word peace and we think of a feeling or an emotion that comes to us. Rather, this isn't a feeling, this is rather a fact. You are at peace. If you belong to Jesus Christ, you're no longer an enemy to him. We're born enemies. And without Jesus, we don't live in peace. We live in en- we're enmity and strife and we're away from him and disconnected from relationship as we should be. But if you belong to Jesus, this is a great expectation that we can have peace with him, knowing that we are reconciled to him, that we are in proper standing with him, that our sin's been dealt with. Right? Later in Romans, Paul says, therefore there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The idea of being in Christ Jesus can sound like a funny concept, but does your life and your heart and your soul reflect that you're in Christ Jesus, in relationship to him? Do you belong to him? Does he claim you as his own? If he does, there's great news. You can have peace. Notice this. It doesn't say in the passage that we will have peace or that we're going to have peace, but rather it says we have peace. Have, present tense. Something we already possess. So this is not only a future promise, something we can look forward to for the whole year of 2022, but something you can look forward to starting today. Knowing that, hey, I, if I belong to Jesus, I'm at peace with him. I'm at peace with the Lord of the universe. When we realize that we're at peace with God, it allows us to live in peace from security and knowing where we stand. Do you have that security in your life? When you think about your relationship with God, do you understand where you stand? Do you have peace knowing, okay, I am saved, my sins are covered? Or are you uncertain? If you belong to Jesus, you should be able to rest in peace and know that no matter what circumstances come, no matter what comes this year in 2022, a lot may happen. I can't stand up here and promise you anything circumstantially. But what I can promise you is that God has given us peace through Jesus Christ. Where do you find your peace? Oftentimes my peace is circumstantial. I think about when I come downstairs in the morning, the house is dark and quiet Right now, with it being Christmas, I head over and flip on the lights for the Christmas tree. All the toys are put away. The dishes are clean. The sink is empty. Maybe some of you can relate to that. But then what robs you of your peace? Because when I come downstairs in the morning and there's dishes in the sink or there's toys on the floor, oftentimes I let that rob me of my peace. And I'm letting my circumstances dictate my peace in that moment instead of looking to the Lord above and saying, hey, I have peace with you that covers all this. An overarching peace, not a momentary peace based on what's going on in my life, not if things are in the way that I think they should or if they're in order or not. We have this expectation that is often unrealistic where our peace is dictated by, well, I think it should be this way, so therefore if it is that way, I have peace. And this passage is revealing that that's not how it's intended. Paul's writing saying, hey, if you've been justified with Christ, you have peace. Do you realize that? Do you realize that your eternal security with Jesus can free you 
from focusing on yourself this year. The focus can instead be on serving the Father, serving others, all these things that we probably know we ought to be doing in the Christian life, but so often get wrapped up and pushed down because we're so concerned about other things. Great expectation for you. You can have peace this year if you belong to Jesus. Here's our second point. Second expectations you can have this year. You can have access to God's grace. It's a funny thing to put. It's not just God's grace, but access to God's grace. It's kind of a funny way that Paul decided to write this. And I'm going to explain that to you. He says, access by faith, right? Not any other way. Only by faith through Jesus can you gain access into this grace in which we stand. The word used for stand in the original text gives an idea of permanence and something that's immovable. When you think about God's grace, what do you think about? Do you think about the ocean, standing in an ocean, water all around you? Or do you think about a puddle? Well, yeah, that's grace, but I'm on the outside of the puddle. Or maybe I have one foot in the puddle, right? The kids kind of like to do that and stomp around. Well, I'm in the puddle, now I'm out of the puddle, and I kind of go back and forth. Well, God's grace is immovable. It's not something that we can choose to be in and out of. We've gained access to this. That's unthought of and unheard of when this is being written. You look back at the Old Testament, Exodus 28. We learn about the tabernacle where God has, or man has set up for God, the holiest of holies. Right? If you're familiar with Exodus, this will uh, make a lot of sense to you. If you haven't read Exodus, hopefully I can explain this to you. But there is a temple set up, and the further in that you went into the temple was reserved for people in more proper and righteous standing with the Lord. So someone like you and I, especially me, we probably wouldn't be allowed to even step foot inside. But the good news is, that's not the case anymore. See, before, what would happen is, you could go further into the temple based on your standing based off their hierarchy of structure for religious leaders. Only a select few would be able to go all the way into the holiest of holies and experience God's presence. But they were fearful of what might happen. So often when someone went in, they would tie a rope around their waist and put a bell on it. So as they went back behind this curtain, all the way into the the deepest, darkest depths of the temple, they would hear a bell and they would know, okay, he's okay, he's still moving around. Right? That's not very good access. Paul is saying, hey, look, you have access to God now. That's changed. This old system is dismantled. This is what he says, or this is what it says, not Paul. This is what it says in Matthew 27. This is about Jesus' death on the cross. You may be familiar of it. Jesus dies. I'll paraphrase instead of reading it. Jesus dies on the cross, right? The earth shakes. And something very significant happens in that moment. If you aren't familiar with the Old Testament, you'll just think this is a weird thing that was thrown into the text. But it says that the temple veil was torn in two. If you're reading that and unfamiliar, you're thinking, why why are they including that? Well, let's give us a graphic illustration of access. The temple was torn in two. The veil that separated the people from the holiest of holies was torn in two and allowed everyone access. It removed the physical barrier to God's presence. So we no longer have to tie a belt of rope around our waist and 
put bells on it and sneak back into there. But instead, you can have access to God's grace and you can stand in it. What does this mean? This means your sins in 2021, they cannot outweigh God's grace. What good news. And guess what? Guess what? This is also a future grace. Your sins in 2022, unfortunately, they're going to occur. We're all going to fall short of God's glory in some way this year. But you can have access to God's grace. And you can stand in that grace and know and have great hope that, hey, no matter what comes, no matter what mistakes we make, whatever wrong decisions we make this year, they're covered by God's grace. This allows us, as Hebrews says in chapter 4, verse 16, to draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's a great expectation for you this year. If you belong to Jesus, you have access to God and his grace. There's no system that we need to go through. There's no forms to be filled out. You can go directly to him. What a beautiful thing. Here's our third expectation. This one is less glamorous. You can expect this year to face suffering. Woohoo! Many of us are familiar with suffering after the last year or two in various ways. But here's why we can rejoice in hope of the glory of God in our sufferings. Why? By knowing. That's the command in this passage. By knowing. Knowing what? Well, knowing this. Knowing that our suffering is purposeful. If we're suffering in the name of Jesus Christ, it's not just because God's a mean God and he wants to punish you. No. God loves you. He's a good father. He gives good gifts. But we can also expect to suffer this year. We can know that our suffering is really doing a good thing and helping us conform to the image of God and grow in our Christ-likeness. Paul wrote about this in 2 Timothy. He said, All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Doesn't sound too fun, does it? Jesus also said it to his disciples. If you're familiar with the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, Jesus said, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. This word in this passage for suffering is also translated to persecution or affliction. But really, those are good things. You can expect to face that this year if you're in Christ Jesus. And here's why we can rejoice. Romans 8 says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. How are you currently suffering for the sake of Christ? It's easy to get discouraged when we suffer. It's easy to be discouraged when we face things. But the question is, are you suffering? Because this passage shows that our suffering is really evidencing our future glory with God in eternity. That's worth rejoicing over. That's worth celebrating. It's countercultural to what our world would say. That when we suffer, not because of our own doing, but because of Christ and who he is and our relationship with him, that suffering is worth it. Right? This is different than the suffering that we cause ourselves. Many of us do that plenty often. But this is a different kind of suffering. Paul goes on to say this. Not only can we expect to suffer this year, but we should rejoice. We can rejoice by knowing the benefits of our suffering. And he lists, he kind of runs on this little list where he says, suffering produces endurance, 
And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Suffering is a part of a process where we can choose to lean into it and endure it, or we can choose to bypass it, kind of skip out. Hard for me not to think about an exercising example with this, right? I think back when I was younger playing sports, and maybe we were running as a team, maybe for punishment or maybe for, for a different purpose. But oftentimes it's like, all right, we got X much more to run. And at this point, my lungs are feeling it, my legs are burning. And it's, you're suffering physically in that moment. But you also know that if you push through the suffering and you endure and you finish the task ahead, that the gain will be even greater than if you just fell down on your knees and quit in the moment. When you face suffering, what is your response? I know for me, there's a temptation to get my hands in the mix and fiddle around and try to fix things so that the suffering ends sooner. Or, well, maybe if I do this, maybe we try this and that, we can just kind of go this way and let's just reroute our plan so we don't have to suffer. Right? Suffering is not something that we often seek, but Paul tells us here that suffering is a good thing because it produces endurance. And out of endurance, the byproducts of character, or some texts would say approving character. And we're, we're growing in our character, our experience, we're proving who we are by our suffering. And out of that, the product of hope as well. I've talked to many of you over the past couple of years, I know this is true for me, and you probably resonate with this. The times of growth in my life are almost always hand in hand with the greatest struggles and suffering. The times of trial and hardship, we see that often throughout the New Testament, right? That we, we need to face trials, we need to face suffering so we can grow. Notice this. If you look at verse 5, Paul talks about this character producing hope. And then he says this, And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This isn't a kind of hope that will shame us. Many things in this world will, right? You put your hope in that, that football team and, oh, they just fell short. You maybe put your hope in cryptocurrency and it didn't go the way you wanted it to. Maybe you really hoped that that relationship was going to be resolved and fixed and it wasn't. Oftentimes the things of this world that we put our hope in will leave us empty-handed. But this hope doesn't put us to shame. This is a different kind of hope. This is a guaranteed hope in Jesus that we just sang about. Jesus Christ, a living hope. Hope of eternity. There's no hope that 2022 is going to be a great year. There's no hope that 2022 is going to be your best year ever. But there is hope in Jesus Christ. And that's a great thing. That's something that we, we can rejoice over and know that no matter what happens this year, no matter what comes at us, this hope won't put us to shame. He follows that by saying God's love is important to our hearts. The, the idea of him giving us a, the Holy Spirit is this Greek word, I'll probably pronounce it wrong, but it's didomi. And the idea of that word is something that's given freely, unopposed. It's the exact opposite antonym to the word of transactional purchase. So instead of being bought and getting a transaction, this is a word of giving freely, a gift to us. That we can have hope if we belong to Jesus Christ. 
This should be an expectation for us for 2022 if we belong to him. Now, some of you may be sitting here and maybe you're, you're unsure of where you are with Jesus. Maybe you don't know and have the security of belonging to Jesus. Well, here's good news for you. First, I'll start with some less good news. This is a very exclusive promise. Look at the beginning. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith. Well, if you haven't been justified by faith, what I just explained is not, that's not for you. You haven't been justified. It's an exclusive promise. But guess what? It's also a very inclusive invitation. For those that don't believe, there's still hope. And Paul follows it up with this in verse 6. I'm just going to read this for you guys. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Have you received that reconciliation? I hope you have. And guess what? If you haven't, now is a great time. And everything I was just spoken of, verses 1 through 5, they can apply to you as well. Therefore, now you've been justified. You can step into these expectations, have the same expectations that were just spoken. You don't have to go into this year putting your hope in things that are going to fall flat. But you can go in and know that you can expect to access God's grace. You can expect to have peace. You can expect to face suffering and be able to rejoice knowing that your suffering is worth rejoicing over. I was trying to think of a, a clever way to wrap things up and, and to summarize all these points together. Uh, and oftentimes that results in me looking to people who know much more than I do. And instead of paraphrasing, I'm just going to read you guys a quote from John Piper. Any of you are familiar with John Piper? very well-known and respected theologian. He says this, the reason we can always rejoice in God is not that the Christian life is an easy life. It isn't. The reason is that the glory of God is great beyond all imagining. And in Jesus Christ, it is rock sure. This life may not be easy, I can't sit up here and tell you 2022 is going to be easy. I can't tell you you're going to be healthy all year. I can't tell you you're not going to lose your job. That your cars are going to work. That your relationships are going to be restored. I can't make any of those promises. But what I can promise you is if you belong to Jesus Christ, you have access and peace, you can stand his grace, and you can rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for another year. There's always a sense of newness as we turn the calendar from December to January, Lord. But I pray that this wouldn't be just another year of New Year's resolutions that fall flat. Lord, we pray that this year would be different. 
that our expectations would not lie in our circumstances and the things out of our control, but that our expectations would align with you, the one who is in control of all things. Father, we pray that this wouldn't just encourage us today, that we would walk out of here feeling hopeful that this was something good to hear as we go to eat our lunch, but that we would rejoice in this word and this promise that Romans 5 would be a guide for us throughout 2022 as we look at what we can expect as we belong to you. Lord, I pray for those this morning who maybe don't belong to you. I pray that they would, that they would see, apart from you, their expectations are nothing. But in you, there's hope, there's purpose, there's rejoicing, there's peace, there's grace. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for Paul and his letter to Rome. Help us to continue to glorify you this morning as we continue in our time of worship. In Jesus' name, amen.